0: begin this morning with a question. I've asked it in past years. I think it's been a few years since I've asked it, uh, but I always enjoy hearing your answers. So this is not a rhetorical question. I want you to really think about this and answer this question. I'll tell you what my answer is, too. I want you to think back to when you were a kid, maybe teenager, probably childhood, though. And think about what was one of your favorite Christmas gifts. I, I just like to hear from different ages. Now, I'm not asking you to decide what your absolute favorite gift was because you don't, you don't, we don't have that kind of time this morning, right? So some of you couldn't narrow it down. But I'm just saying just in your top five, if you don't sit there and, and, and debate which one's the absolute best, just, hey, this was one that was for sure meaningful to me. So somebody raise your hand if you're willing. Okay, Arlene back there. A bike. A bike. I like the way you think. All right, Bye. <laughs> Stephanie. A treasure troll. I'm not sure I know what that is, <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's good. Any who else? We want to hear some others. Thunder, thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder tickets. Yeah, I got to be a part of those. That was fun. <laughs> a, bird. a bird. Is it one of those birds that like outlives you, like 75 years, or was it? <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> yeah, about a bird. All right, that's that's good. I, I think I saw another hand somewhere back there. Did it disappear? Someone changed their mind. Their answer was probably bird too. So. <laughs> a dog that's that's good anybody else regular uh, the regular nintendo that was one of mine getting the uh, regular nintendo BB gun. bb gun that's a good one yeah 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 anybody okay okay back right here nintendo switch that's good video games bikes pets okay. anybody get like a um Something that was trendy that year, I mean, some of these, I know, like a Nintendo and stuff, I'm guessing the troll thing was probably a trendy thing, I don't know, do I see another hand here? Anybody? Cabbage Patch, that was, yeah, I think there's been some elbows thrown over getting ab- Cabbage Patch dolls before, trying to get those for your kids. Easy bake, oven. Easy bake Oven. Yes, I think we about burned our house down with one of those, so. <laughs> All right, anybody else before we move on? Shane? Rubik's Cube, yeah, that's kind of one of those trendy ones. It's still around, but I'm old enough to remember when that was the new thing, so. yeah, (laughs) You got seven Rubik's Cube, did you you ever solve it? Me neither, I'm like, (laughs) I've like solved like one side, maybe two, so. All right, well, well here's here's another question for you, as you think about those gifts, and it's fun to think about those things, those are good things to get, those are blessings, but did you ever get anything that was so good that the next year your Christmas list was just empty? I'm guessing the answer to that is no, right? No matter how great a thing you got this year, next year you always want something else, right? Like my favorite gift, my, my earliest one was my Huffy Pro Thunder bicycle. I came around, you know, Christmas morning, came running down our long hallway, ran around the corner and there's that black bike with the yellow mag wheels that probably weighed twice as much as the bike I, weigh, I ride now, uh, those giant mag wheels. But I was so excited about that, but you know what? Next Christmas I had another list. And, and years down the road, I got a motorcycle, I got a Nintendo. You know, those are some of the ones. But every year, no matter what I get, I still want something else. And I, I bet you're the same. Because here's the thing. That's what the Bible tells us. Nothing on this earth can truly satisfy us. Now, those things are good. They're blessings. There's lots of good things. And the Bible says that, that all good things are gifts from God. They're, they're above. So I, I'm not trying to bash Christmas presents. Those, those are fine. But nothing on this earth can satisfy us, and that's not by mistake. God made me and he made you so that only he could satisfy us. And until we find him, until we believe in him and trust and follow Jesus, we will always be looking for him. I bet you've done this, and you probably know people still doing it. Maybe you're still doing it. You're just going through life trying to get things to fulfill yourself, but no matter what you get, as great as it is, and maybe for the moment, it's fantastic, eventually it doesn't satisfy you. Like, you know, no matter what possession you get, there's probably people today think, man, if I just had this car, or if I just had this house, I would be satisfied, but I promise you that no matter how much you think it will satisfy you, it won't. It'll be exciting for a while, but that will pass, right? No matter what achievement you get, it's not just possession, sometimes it's achievement. Some of you think, if I just got this position in my company, if I just achieved this athletically or in this hobby or whatever it is, that you'd be satisfied, but you won't. And some of you think it's a relationship. You think, if I just met the perfect person, right? I'm telling you, first off, they don't exist. (laughs) And second off, no matter how great they are, they cannot satisfy you, even though they can be a great blessing to you, because only... God satisfies. The Bible tells us again and again that God created us for a relationship with him, and only he can satisfy us. Now, the Bible tells us something else. We're made for a relationship with God, but because we're all sinners and have rebelled against God, we're separated from him by our sin, by our rebellion. If you go back to the book of Genesis and the Garden of Eden, we see Adam and Eve created for a relationship with God, Shows us life's purpose is to know him, to enjoy him, to glorify him. But they, rather than obeying God and worshiping him, they wanted to be God. And so they disobeyed and they rebelled and their sins separated them from him. And so we have this this tension in the Bible, right? We're created for God, but our sin separates us from God. But here's the good news of the gospel, and it's the Christmas message that God sent Jesus, that God came in the flesh and lived a perfect human life and died for our sins so that we could be made right with God and forgiven. So we're made for a relationship with God, but we can only have that relationship with God when we're forgiven through Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's that message. So as we look at Luke chapter 2, we see a a nation of Israel, um, Israel, being occupied by Rome under oppression and, and waiting for their Savior, waiting for the one that's been promised for thousands of years. And here he comes born into the world. So look with me at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read a, a pretty good pass- length passage this morning. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now go back with me, keep your Bible open, and let's go back to verses 10 and 11 and, and, and focus in on what these verses say. What the angel said to the shepherds there, I bring you good, noo- good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Here in these verses it says that there is good news that will bring great joy to all people. What is this news? What is this good news that brings great joy to all people? It's that the Savior that the world has been waiting for has been born. Jesus is the Messiah they've been waiting for. He is the Savior. The question is, what is he saving us from? What is he saving the world from? Well, the Bible, again, says that we are sinners who've rebelled against God and deserve judgment and wrath. And what Jesus came to do is to save us from the punishment that we justly deserve so that we can be forgiven and made right with God. He did this not just by being born into the world, but by dying for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 sums it up so well by saying this, For God made Christ who never sins to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It you know, was interesting, scholars believe that these shepherds, who were keeping these sheep were likely keeping the sheep that were ultimately going to be sacrificed in the temple. So for th- for a long, long time, hundreds, thousands of years, they've been sacrificing sheep and other animals in their place to atone for their sin. Ultimately, though, looking ahead to Jesus now. You and I, we look back to Jesus for our salvation. In the Old Testament, they were looking ahead to Jesus for their salvation, that he was going to die for their sins. And these sheep being sacrificed reminded them that there was a price to pay for their sins, that ultimately one would come, as Isaiah said, and, and die for their sins. But think about how cool this is. These shepherds are keeping these sheep, that they're going to be sacrificed in the temple. And the angels come and announce to them, listen, the Lamb of God has been born tonight. You're going to stop sacrificing sheep because there's going to be a one perfect sacrifice for all time for your sins. And that's the good news that was announced. So what they heard that night was the message of Christmas. And now I'm going to put this up on the screen to be really clear this morning. This is the message of Christmas, that God sent Jesus to save us from our sins and reunite us with him. And the question is, have you received this gift? Have you believed this good news? We talk about this all the time here, but listen, we live in the Bible Belt, so I have to keep repeating this. Lots of people that live in the Bible Belt in the South like we do think they're Christians who are not. So I'm not asking you, were you just born in a southern state and went to church and those kind of things? I'm not saying, can you quote some scripture? I'm saying, have you truly confessed to God that you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself and believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave? Have you trusted in him for your salvation, not your own good works? If you've not done that, I pray you will today. That's the gift of Christmas. That's the good news of the gospel. Stay after church. Talk with one of us. We'd love to talk to you about that and have a conversation. This is the message of Christmas that God sent Jesus to save us from our sins and reunite us with him. Now, if you have believed that message and you have received that gift, there's some practical things that happen in our lives. I want us to just talk through those for a few moments this morning. There's, There's a lot that happens, but I... Looking at this passage, I want us to think through a few of these. If we receive and believe the Christmas message, the result will be, first of all, peace. Did you know you could have peace in this world? Look back at verse 14. The angel said, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, now, what does this mean? Does this mean that for the last 2,000 years there's been peace on earth? Does this mean that there's been no wars I mean, there's been wars for the last 2,000 years since Jesus lived. There's wars going on right now, right? It's not saying that there's going to be world peace. It's saying there's going to be peace among the people with whom God is pleased. And who are those? Those who have trusted and believed in Jesus. For those of us who believe this Christmas message, this good news of the gospel, we can truly have peace, and there's two kinds of peace. First of all, peace with God, right? Jesus came to make us right with God. You may say, well, I wasn't at war with God. Yes, you were. (laughs) The Bible says that we were all rebellious. We were enemies of God by our own volition. We drew first blood. We started it, right, with our own sinful um, attitude toward God. But we can be at peace with him because Jesus came to make us right with God. Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Right? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. This morning, every one of us can be at peace with God. Even though we sinned in so many ways and we've messed up, the good news is we can be at peace with God knowing that we are forgiven if we've trusted in Jesus for our salvation. And the cool thing is, if you're at peace with God, then you can experience what? You can experience the peace of God. When you're at peace with God, you can experience the peace of God, which scripture talks about repeatedly. Let me just read to you from part of Philippians 4, verse 7. It says, his peace, right? Jesus, God's peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Right? So when we believe in Jesus and we we're made right with God, we're at peace with God, then we can experience the peace of God in life. Are you experiencing the peace of God right now in life? Anybody here stressed? Anybody here experiencing anxiety and worry and all those things? I mean, there's all kinds of, I I bet we would be shocked if we knew some of the things people are dealing with in here. And even those of us that would say, man, life's going pretty smooth overall, just Christmas alone can create tension and stress right and worry but no matter what circumstances you're facing the bible tells us that we can experience peace that surpasses all understanding we can experience his peace it will guard our hearts as we live in him so this morning let me ask you are you at peace with god through Jesus and are experiencing the peace of God by walking closely with Him in prayer and worship and Bible study, close relationship with Him. I'll tell you, you'll never experience peace as long as you're just chasing after things of this world. And a lot of times, that's what Christmas does. It's ironic, right? Christmas should point us to the one thing that can satisfy. For most people, Christmas points us to all the things that will never satisfy. For a lot of us, Man, we're thinking about what can I get for Christmas or what can I get somebody else for Christmas? Things that there's not necessarily anything wrong with until we try to make those things satisfy us when only God can. We'll never have peace when we're chasing the things of this world and trying to get them to satisfy us. But we can have peace. When we're at peace with God, we can experience the peace of God. Think about this. I kind of got this from an Advent devotional I'm going through right now by Jared Wilson he pointed out, and I don't know if I'd ever really thought about it quite like this, That think about if you were there the night Jesus was born in Bethlehem and you see this little baby lying in, lying in a manger, you would see a poor child born to a teenager who's not even born in the appropriate setting, all right? A poor, poor parent's poor baby in a poor setting. But you would be looking at the richest baby on earth because he's, in reality, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here's the reality of the good news of the gospel, that those of us who have believed in Jesus and have trusted in him, we may look poor compared to the world, but we are richer than anybody else. We are children of the king. We are rich in mercy. We are rich in love. We are rich in joy. We are a child of the king who has a true inheritance in heaven. It's not just make-believe. We will be in heaven one day with him. And we look around this world, and we want what everybody else has, and we chase after it, and what we got to do is settle in and say, you know what, I I can be content in knowing I have all that I need in Christ. Can you say that this morning? I mean, I know the struggle. I'm human too, right? I I, I bring these messages from Scripture, but these messages are just as aimed at me as you. (laughs) I'm not any better at this than you are. And I'm convicted as I think about these things. Man, I, I... try to get too much satisfaction from the things of the world, but I can truly have peace when I realize all I need is Jesus, and I'm rich in him. I want to wrap up this portion of talking about peace by just reading a couple of verses. You might want to write these down if you're taking notes. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And listen to this, and may you have the power to understand, because it's so hard to understand this, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And listen to this last sentence. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, I pray this for you and I pray this for me, that I would be content and at peace in Christ, knowing he's all I need. And no matter what my circumstances or what happens tomorrow, I'm secure in him, and I know what my future is in heaven. He's all that I really need. So we can truly have peace through him. Another thing that we experience when we believe this Christmas message, this good news of the gospel, is we'll have purpose. We'll have peace, and we'll have purpose. Go back to Luke chapter 2, look at verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Listen, when they heard the good news about Jesus and when they believed and when they saw him, what did they do? They, they shared it. And the truth is, when you and I really believe the gospel, when we really believe the Christmas message, we will want to tell other people about it. If you're experiencing this relationship with God made possible through Jesus and the forgiveness of your sins, if you're experiencing his grace and his mercy and his joy, you will want to tell others about him. You won't, no one will have to make you do it. My question this morning is, are you joyfully telling others about Jesus? And if not, why not? Make sure that you're really at peace with God and experiencing the peace of God. Because if you're doing that, if you're really a Christian walking with the Lord, you'll want to tell others. That'll be your purpose in life. Your purpose in life will not be to make much of yourself. Your purpose in life will be to make much of God and declare the good news of the gospel. The shepherds, after, after seeing this, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, says this, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. So he's referring to the gospel there. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Our purpose is to know God and to make him known. This Christmas, if if that's not been your purpose recently, if that's not been your purpose this last year, would you confess that to God? Would you ask for forgiveness? And when you say, God, this year, this new year, God, help me to to really enjoy you and be at peace with you and content in you. And Lord, help me then to joyfully, enthusiastically tell others about you, having conversations with people. We've, we've talked about this. I'm not talking about going and putting somebody in a headlock and dragging them to church, beating somebody over the head with your Bible. I'm saying if you're walking closely with God, you'll you can naturally tell them in a conversational way about the good news of the gospel. So we have peace, we have purpose, and then finally what we see here is praise, that they praised God. When we receive this incredible gift of Jesus living and dying and rising from the dead to save us, we know that the Savior's really been born, we're going to praise God. If you go back and look in Luke chapter 2, look at verse 19. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I love that that Drew pointed out how Luke probably interviewed Mary. So we know firsthand exactly. We know that she pondered these things, that she thought about these things because Luke interviewed her and knew that. Do you really think deeply and ponder who Jesus is and what he's done? Like Mary, And do you praise God like the shepherds? Look at verse 20 of Luke chapter 2. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. So when you and I hear the good news about Jesus, and we see him in all his glory and grace, we'll want to praise him, to sing to him at church, but also to honor him in our lives and talk about him in all that we do. One of the ways that that we can think about what Jesus has done and who he is, one of the ways we can praise him is through the Lord's Supper. We have a tradition here at our church the Sunday before Christmas, which is today, of always observing the Lord's Supper. As we celebrate Jesus coming into the world to save us, we want to remember that it wasn't just his birth that was important. It was also the reason he came. The reason he came was to die. So this morning we're about to have a time of worship by taking the Lord's Supper that will help us think about these things like Mary did, to praise our Father the way the shepherds did. We're going to do it in a way that Jesus established on the night before his crucifixion. He met with his disciples in the upper room and he established what we call communion or the Lord's Supper, where we take some juice and we take some bread and as we eat the bread we think about his body and what he suffered for us. We drink this juice, and we think about his blood that was spilled for us. And it just brings our attention and our focus back to not just his birth, but also his death and what it means. And again, it helps us to think about these things like Mary and to praise God like the shepherds. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, what it says about the Lord's Supper. It says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to give you some time to come up here. We have um, these spread out, so it should be easy for you to get these. Um, to go back to your seat, I want you just to take a moment and really think about the price that Jesus paid, the good news that he came to earth to save us, but also the price that he paid to save us. And once you've prepared your heart through just your own prayer there with the Lord, then you can take the Lord's Supper. You can eat that little piece of bread and and drink the juice and think about his body, think about his blood. And once I feel like everyone's back in their seats and had time to do that, then I will um, say a few more words and we'll close with a song. So I'm going to say a prayer and then invite you to come when you're ready to come and take this. This, by the way, is for believers. So if you're not yet a Christian, we just ask you um, to to not take the Lord's Supper this morning. Maybe someday you will be a believer and we would welcome you to then. Uh, You don't have to be a church member here to take the Lord's Supper with us, but you do need to be a Christian. So if you're a believer, we invite you in just a moment after I pray to come and take the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that even though we sinned and rebelled against you, that you love us enough for Jesus to come, to be born into human flesh, to live a sinless life, to die the death that we deserve. And Lord, then to raise from the dead, proving that he really is the Son of God, that he really did die for our sins and we really can be forgiven and have eternal life through him. Lord, in these next few moments, as we obey what you've taught us to do, I pray, God, that this would be a meaningful, worshipful, praise-filled time as we quietly reflect on what Jesus did for us and how you've saved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.